Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, it was once thought of as like science fiction where we're going to map out the human genome. Holy cow, that's going to be amazing. But has it translated into amazing yet? I mean, we know we can do it. You can spit on a Q-tip or whatever it is, send it off to 23andMe, and hey, look at that, you're 12% Irish, and... Maybe you're predisposed to to certain uh, medical conditions. Maybe that's where the rubber meets the road here. That if we can understand someone's uh, genetic predispositions, then maybe that's a way to to better treat them in the healthcare system. So it's called genomics. And to some, it's uh, seen as a bit of a health revolution, that this can really change the way we deliver healthcare. If we can tailor healthcare to you, well, then, then maybe that will go a long way in helping you address whatever it is you need to be helped with. Uh, Some concern being raised, though, about whether some are more in a position to benefit from this than others, and how do we level that playing field? Michael Mackley is a Rhodes Scholar and doctorate at uh, Dalhousie Medical School. I wrote about this at uh, theconversation.com a few days ago, and he's on the line with us here. Michael, welcome to the program. Hi there. Thanks for having me. So when we talk about this health revolution, as as you describe it, what is it we're talking about, first of all? Yeah, so... um in the last decade or so, um, technologies have sort of really skyrocketed in their availability for healthcare. And one in particular is uh, genome sequencing or genomics. And so that's dealing with DNA, which is the genetic material in all of our cells, um, which we used to be able to look at, but in a more targeted way. We could look at little bits at a time that we knew were relevant for different diseases. But now we have the ability to sort of look at it all at once. And so I often use the analogy of a a recipe book. If each gene in your body that determines whether you've got red hair or a big nose or whatever it may be is a recipe, then your genome is the recipe book. And today we can read it cover to cover, and that's really transforming the way we diagnose diseases and uh, treat them too. Well, what's what's the translation then? How do we take that information and apply it to medicine? Yeah, so what we can do is we can uh, read that recipe book from cover to cover uh, in the clinic when a patient's sitting in front of you with a suspected genetic disease. We can read it cover to cover and look for changes that occur in, in that sort of recipe. And we can use those changes to tell the patient whether they're at risk for certain diseases. So if there's a change in a gene that we know is important in heart muscle, um, and that change we think is going to prevent the muscle from forming properly, we can tell the patient that they're at risk of developing a related heart disease. Similarly, we can take a patient sitting in front of us, read that recipe book cover to cover, find those changes, and then target treatment specific to the genetic change of that person sitting right in front of us. So rather than have a sort of broad idea that they might have a heart disease. We know exactly what genetic form of heart condition they have, and we can treat accordingly. Okay. Well, then, so why would there be differences when it comes to uh, ethnicity? How how does that factor in here? 
Yeah, so everybody's recipe book is a bit different. Yours is different from the person sitting next to you. Um, that makes you who you are and not the person sitting next to you. But then we also have slight differences um, based on our areas of ancestry or origin. So people who are of Asian descent have slight variation from those people of African descent. And those aren't necessarily um, important uh, differences, but they're differences that exist as a result of um, living on different continents over a period of time. That difference is important, um, though, when we're making healthcare diagnoses, because one of the important steps when we're looking at those changes in the DNA or in the recipe book is we want to know how common they are in the wider population. Because if, if a change is common, uh, if 100 people are all walking around with the same genetic change and those people are healthy, it's unlikely to cause a disease. Um, so when we're analyzing or um, trying to understand what different changes in someone's recipe book might mean, we look at a wider sampling of genomic information to see how common that change might be. The problem is if all of that wider information that we access to make those decisions um, is a people of European descent, then we're going to miss some of that variation I talked about that exists between continents and between ethnic groups um, that may not cause disease, but is still there nonetheless. We may send someone home at the end of the day with a positive diagnosis of, let's say, a heart condition, when in fact they actually just have a genetic change that is common among people of that ethnic group, but they weren't necessarily captured in the, the databases. All right, so how do we fix that? Yeah, so I think the first step is identifying the groups that are missing, uh, and some work has been done to that end. So today, um, south of the border, they realized African Americans were largely missing from the databases and did have done some great work to increase recruitment amongst um, African Americans. In the Canadian context, uh, it's glaringly obvious that Indigenous peoples are mostly missing from the current data set. So we have to identify those groups that are missing, and then from there we can try to understand why they're not represented, sorry, so that's understanding those historic biases, but then also barriers to their enrollment today that might be systemic or cultural. And then we have to try to address those barriers in a culturally competent way, whether that's through outreach, um, in engagement, and try to rebuild the trust among groups that may be lacking trust in the sort of medical research uh, engine. And then hopefully, once we can address those barriers and break them down, attempt to enroll them and engage them in the research. The numbers don't have to be huge. This database I've been talking about has hundreds of thousands of samples. Even just a hundred samples from one ethnic group can dramatically improve our ability to provide diagnoses for those people. Well, it's quite fascinating. People can read more of your piece. It's at theconversation.com. Michael, thanks for joining us here today. Appreciate this. Thank you for having me. You go, that's uh, Michael Mackley at uh, Dalhousie Medical School uh, talking about genomics, what it means for healthcare. Uh, how about this text on the uh, head transplant? I didn't even think of this. Oh, why stick with a lame human body? Get a moose body or a bear. That would be cool. Boy, I hadn't thought of that. If I had that option, what would I choose? Bear would be good. What about a shark? Hmm, I'd have to give that some thought. Anyway, 974-8255. A lot more still to come. Uh, speaking of health care, should dental care be considered health care? Or if not, do we at least need to rein in the costs? It's not an option whether to get dental care, but it does cost a lot of money, more so in Alberta than elsewhere. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.